0: Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing J.R. Martinez. J.R. is an Army veteran, burn survivor, actor, motivational speaker, New York Times best-selling author, and the season 13 winner of Dancing with the Stars. While on deployment to Iraq, J.R.'s Humvee hit a roadside bomb, and he was trapped in the vehicle. He suffered smoke inhalation, severe burns, and had to undergo 34 different surgeries including skin grafts and cosmetic surgery. Today, he travels the world, sharing how he was able to turn personal tragedy into an inspirational message of hope and resilience for others. Let's dive into this incredible story. I read with interest about your mother being a illegal immigrant, if you would, uh, the frustrations she went through, but she did more or less center her life over you. And she sacrificed a lot. Uh, so you grew up realistically in poverty.
1: Yep. Tell me what it was like to grow up that way. Well, I, I appreciate your willingness to actually address the story of my mother. Because in order to appreciate Jr.'s journey and Jr.'s story, you have to go back to my mother and her journey. Whether you agree or disagree about the way that she became a United States citizen. Um, there's a lot of conversation about that as you know, but yes, my mother came here as an undocumented immigrant from El Salvador um, essentially leaving a lot of the challenges and dangers that she was exposed to in El Salvador and looking for a better opportunity and got here, met my father, you know um, had me. unfortunately my father wasn't you know in the best position in life to actually be present. And so he left my mother with just me and um, she had to figure it out on her own. And listen, there's a lot of incredible things that I took away from being raised by my mother, just seeing the way that she persevered through a lot, the way that she found ways to just smile despite adversity and challenges and struggles that she was experiencing. At the same time, I mean, as a kid and any psychologist, counselor, anybody will tell you that it's not healthy for a child to frequently move around so much. It's important for a child to have stability, to have structure, to have consistency or routine per se. And when you look at my childhood, I was born in Louisiana and I lived there for the first nine years of my life. And in those nine years of living there, I lived in multiple homes and multiple apartment complexes, sometimes with other families.
0: JR's mother only had a third grade education and didn't speak English. She taught herself to speak English and was eventually hired at Tyson Foods. She climbed the ranks and became a supervisor, but things were still very challenging and they were forced to move homes numerous times.
1: When I look at my life today as an adult, I look at the fact that all that did was prepared me and conditioned me to deal with change, to be willing, to be comfortable enough to be outside of my comfort zone. I learned at an early age, to be uncomfortable, and that's okay. And that's actually where I thrived more. And so I learned a lot of incredible things just from watching and witnessing my mother just try to survive and be the best mother she could be with what she had.
0: As a young man, J.R. dealt with bullying that led to fighting and suspensions at school. His absences from the classroom impacted his grades. As he approached graduation, the college told him he would be on academic probation. So he wouldn't be able to play football for two years. Instead, he decided to meet with an Army recruiter. He planned to serve for three years and used the GI Bill to pursue his dream of playing professional football when he returned. And he also felt a strong sense of duty to serve his country.
1: I was a senior when 9-11 happened. I saw 9-11 happen on TV, like so many Americans and so many people around the world. And I had a little bit of a different perspective about the United States of America than a lot of my peers at the time. You know, I went back to El Salvador as a kid many times over and over and over to visit my family and to see what my mother came from. Listen, it put things in perspective for me. It allowed me to feel us an immense gratitude for what I did have in the United States. We are so conditioned as Americans to compare what I have compared to what you have. And if it's not the same, then I'm not worthy, that I'm less than, that I'm this, that I'm that. And the great perspective that I was presented with as a kid was, yes, I may not be able to afford multiple pairs of pants you know, to go to school, one for every day of the week. I would have two or three pair of pants and I would just recycle them throughout the week. I may not have that nice shoes. I may not be able to have the nice house. I may not be able to have all these different things, but you know what, I have freedom. I have the ability to go to school. I have the ability to, if I wanted to, I can go to a fast food joint and get a burger. I mean, I have electricity, bathroom in my home. There were so many different things that I had this unique appreciation and perspective about what the United States provided to me and my family. So when 9-11 happened and I I decided to go talk to that recruiter, that was also a big reason why I wanted to join the military because I felt it was, was my way of giving back to this country that had given so much to me and my family and off i went i became an 11 bravo that's what i joined as i was a young i just turned 19 years old and i was gun ho that if i was gonna be in the army i was gonna be in it i was gonna be an 11 bravo an infantryman i was gonna roll around in the dirt i was gonna go and kick some ass and then at three years i would get out i would go to college i'd have money for college the gi bill and then i'd play football and then i'd be 22-ish years old and i'd be in the freaking nfl I was still focused on this freaking dream of being a professional football player. But again, I think it is important, as naive as it was, for me to have that because it gave me something to hold on to and something to strive forward to. And eventually life said, hold on, that's not your path. That's not where you're destined to be, right? It's like like that Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson quote, do not go where the path may lead. Instead, go where there is no path and leave a trail. And so life said to me, you're striving for that thing. I get it, but we're going to present you with some other opportunities. And that's where you're going to create your own destiny and leave a trail for the people that come behind you. So probably the most
0: traumatic day in your life was the day that you hit the IED.
1: What do you remember of the day, or the day or two following? Anything? I remember us just laughing. And Dave, if you saw me driving this Humvee on the 5th of April of 2003 in Iraq, I mean, I had one hand on the steering wheel like this. I had my Kevlar kicked up on my head a little bit. I had a little bit of a lean. I mean, you would think that I thought I was driving a Ferrari down Sunset Boulevard in California. I mean, that's how cool I thought I was. But to be honest, I was naive. Even though I knew I was at war, even though I knew what the possibility could be, I never really stopped to think it's gonna happen to me or it could happen to me. I was just living. And that's the way life is, you know? I was living in the moment with the guys in the Humvee and then all of a sudden, boom, we hit that roadside bomb, it exploded. I was trapped inside. The other three troops were thrown out of the vehicle. And I was completely conscious for five minutes, trapped inside of that Humvee, screaming and yelling at the top of my lungs. I can see my hands, literally the skin on my hands. Not to be that graphic for you know your, your listeners, but I could see the skin melting off of my hands. I could see my life flashing before my eyes. I remember recalling my mother's worst fear is now gonna become a reality, that she's gonna lose another child, she's gonna lose her only son. but. I'm a very big believer, Dave, that everything that we're exposed to, whether it's minor adversity or major adversity, everything that we're exposed to is conditioning us, is preparing us for that very moment. And I believe everything 19 years of life prepared me for that moment to say to myself, no, JR, you can't give up. No, JR, you can't quit. No, JR, continue to scream, continue to yell, continue to open your eyes, continue to fight. And because I really believe because of that mentality, it kept me alive just long enough for them to pull me out of the Humvee, start the medevac process. They put me into a medical induced coma. I was in a coma for three months and I woke up in San Antonio, Texas, which is the burn center for the military, 19 years old and my life completely turned upside down. I asked the question, how were the rest of the guys in the Humvee? Nobody had an answer. But that's when the reality started, Dave. As I like to say, that's when the real war began for me because I wasn't fighting it with my guy. They were fighting a different war. I was fighting it by myself in the hospital. I had to see myself for the first time, my face, my body. I had to realize that, you know, my hands were like this and I couldn't bathe myself, feed myself. I couldn't walk. I didn't know how to do a lot of things. And um, it was it was challenging. I mean, I think the, when I think about the recovery That probably is um, the most difficult part of it for me when I think about the journey.
0: When I look back on your youth, actually it was hardening you up to be able to handle the adversity. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was in the spinal cord unit, traumatic brain injuries, and it was interesting that I told my nurses the first day that I could speak, I said, I know I'm older than almost everybody in here, but I can outwork anybody, and I'm going to walk out of this place. Your job is to push me harder than I can push myself, and I'm asking you to do that for me. And if they wanted five reps, I wanted seven. I had built on a lifetime of successes. I had had failures, but I got over them, and I had figured out in my
1: 60s, I can do anything. I think that's the secret, is that most of us are playing this game of life as if we're playing the lottery, right? Most of us play the lottery because we want one big splash of you made all this money, it's gonna fix everything. And what you, we fail to realize is that there's all these things over the course of life that are, as you said, hardening us, preparing us, conditioning us to be able to persevere through whatever next thing life has presented for us, good and bad. Now, I don't want people to have this misconception that, oh, everything I'm going through is preparing me for the next bad thing to happen that I'm gonna be able to persevere. No, it's conditioning and preparing you for the next amazing opportunity as well that presents itself and you're ready for it because you've taken and understood that there's lessons in everything that we're exposed to. So you talking about a lifetime of successes and victories, well, that's the very thing that got me through my recovery process and still to this day. I focus on the small victories. The victories that a lot of people may overlook and say those aren't relevant. That's not important.
0: When I was in the spinal rehab center, there were a lot of young men. Many of them were injured in accidents. There was an 18-year-old national motocross champion. He was paralyzed from the waist down, but he had the same mentality as me because he had had success before. He was used to failing and pushing himself to get back up. In comparison, The other young men were lazy and wouldn't put in the effort to recover. Adapting and overcoming is one of JR's key messages. I wanted to know how we can apply a resilient mindset to our everyday lives.
1: So a lot of people love affirmations, right? They start their day with affirmations. They say to themselves, today's going to be a great day. I am enough. I am capable. I am this. I am that, right? Right. Um, opportunities going to come to me. And and, and those are great affirmations to start your day, to say to yourself throughout the day, to even say at night. It's great to be able to have that mindset, but I've sort of wanted to challenge people a little bit and say to themselves, like, you know, why don't you add this into your affirmations, into that self-talk, whatever word you want to use. Why don't you say to yourself, I am open to new opportunities. Why don't you say to yourself, I'm open to you know, adversity. I, I'm capable of dealing with adversity. I'm open to change, right? Won't you add those into those that self talk or those affirmations? Because I believe that's obviously words are powerful. And if you can start to condition your mind and your brain and your heart to say, you know what? Life right now in this moment is presenting me with change. Life right now is presenting me with adversity. But you know, I, I already talked to myself. I already told myself I can do this. I've already told myself. That's where the magic lies. That's where the opportunity exists. That if I just lean into that a little bit more. And so it's going to take time. It's not something that just happens overnight. You have to be conditioned. It's like they say, in order for something to become a habit, you have to be willing to do it. I mean, some people will say two weeks. Some people will say 60 days. I mean, the point is you have to be consistent with it. So as we
0: wind down, all the life experiences everything you've been through, what single achievement is your legacy? What is the thing that you're most proud of accomplishing?
1: Hands down, the the, the family that I've created, um, the family that I'm creating. You know, I told you my father left when I was nine months old. I had a chance to meet him when I was 36. And, you know, I asked him the question that I think any child would ask their their parent, And I said, where'd you go? (laughs) I know in the early eighties, there wasn't a GPS and you know, Waze and Google maps and all these other different maps for you to find yourself, find your way back to the house. So what happened, man? And he flat out said to me, I forgot about you. I mean, at that time I only had one kid and I'm like thinking of my daughter. I'm like, there's no way that I could just forget about her. I can't help but be proud of the father that I turn myself into, that I'm s- still becoming, I'm open to my children teaching me. They teach me every single day, especially my daughter, who's 10 years old right now. We got a little one; he's 18 months old. There's a gap there, but I know that that guy's going to teach me some stuff too. But I'm just proud of the father that I, I'm still striving to become and, and, and to be to my children. I've I feel like I've broken some generational curses. I think that I've hopefully establish some healthier, just patterns in life for my children and just giving them the, still bringing the things that my mother gave me that I know have allowed me to succeed. Because I think that's one of the mistakes that a lot of parents have a tendency to make, especially those that have had to struggle, those that have been exposed to adversity. What happens is when we have our children, we're so focused on giving them more than what we had that we forget the very things that helped us become the people that we are. And we forget to actually pass that on to them. So what I encourage parents to do is like, yeah, listen, I get it. You wanna give your kids more than what you had, but remember what you have is not all material stuff. Remember what you have is this grit, is this ambition, is this drive, is this discipline, is this thought process of being selfless and doing for others, of being of service to other people If you can also give that to your children, they're going to be okay. It's going to click one day for them, and they'll be completely fine. But, you know, Dave, I'm still young, and I'm excited about what life has in store for me. But um, I think at the end of the day, the family man and, and the family that I've created for myself is probably, you know, hands down the biggest thing that I'm most proud of that I've accomplished so far. JR's
0: journey is a story of resilience, determination, and grit. He has had to endure a lot of difficulty during his young life, that those challenges have shaped him into the person he is today. I wanted him to leave you with one final thought about what it means to be
1: successful. I really have done a lot. I really have been on this incredible journey. But everyone listening, watching, I want you to understand something. Just because you're listening to two individuals that in their respective industries have become successful... I want you to understand that you two have the same potential and possibility, but just don't overlook every single one of those lessons and victories that life has given you and that you've been able to persevere through because it is preparing you and conditioning you for that next opportunity.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into today's show. We hope JR's story inspires you to see life's obstacles as opportunities. If you would like to keep up to date with JR, check out his website, jmartinez.com and purchase his book Full of Heart My Story of Survival Strength and Spirit Everywhere Books are Sold Until next time remember
1: everything in life worth having takes a little ambition and grit